This is Mark Gerson, and I'm the rabbi's husband. Hello, thank you for tuning in. I'm Mark Gerson, and I'm the rabbi's husband. And here, as ever, to unearth the inspiring, instructive, and highly practical wisdom of a Torah passage with a fellow seeker of biblical truth. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Rabbi Ari Berman, the president of Yeshiva University. In addition to leading one of the premier institutions in Jewish life, Rabbi Berman is a remarkable scholar in his own right, having written and taught on subjects ranging from the Talmud to the future of current Orthodox Judaism, and having served as the pulpit rabbi of the Jewish Center of Manhattan. Rabbi Berman, welcome to The Rabbi's Husband. Thank you so much, Mark. It is so wonderful to be here with you. Love what you're doing, spreading the word of God, spreading the Torah. Really amazing. Excited to be here. Well, thank you. And your chosen passage is one of the greats. Now, every passage is one of the greats, but this one's one of the greats and the most famous. You chose the Akedah. So tell us, what happened at the Akedah and why is it significant to you? Part of the choice is that it's one of the greats. It's hard to choose just one. So almost the choice is the next one because they're all great. So the upcoming uh, Rosh Hashanah holiday, uh, the premiere section that we read is from the Akedah. So this is uh, not just a great one, it's the next one, and important uh, in so many ways. I'll tell you, I want to focus on one word in the Akedah, and the word is hineni. So this is Genesis 22.7. 22.7 is, is the central part. Let me give it a little bit of an introduction by starting off in uh, 22.1. So in 22.1, it says that God is going to test. We we'll have to figure out what that word means, but test Abraham. And he says to Abraham, he says, Vayomer love Abraham. He says, Abraham. Vayomer and Abraham says, Hineni. Now, what does the word Hineni mean? What does Hineni mean? What would you say about Well, our scroll translates it as, here I am, but I think it's a very active presence. Yeah, beautiful, Mark. Exactly. Meaning, and here I am is the literal definition. But Rashi, one of the great medieval uh, biblical commentaries, explains it's a Lushan Zimun, like, here I am for you. Meaning, God, I am here for you. I am present for you. Whatever you ask for me, God, Hineni, I am here for you. Here and nowhere else. Exactly. And that that's the opening passage. We learn so much about Abraham that God says Abraham and Abraham says Hineni. I am here. And here, ask me anything. I am here. We know what God asks him for something unimaginable. Abraham immediately we're told we don't hear, we don't read his internal experience of this. We just know that the next day he gets up and he takes his son and he brings him to the Akedah to be sacrificed with all of the materials for the sacrifice. And we know that not only does that he wakes up early in the morning, which in the Torah is a motif for enthusiasm. When people wake up early, they're enthusiastic, just like with us. When we wake up early in the morning, we're enthusiastic to do something. And Abraham woke up early in the morning. He's enthusiastic, apparently, to follow God's mission and sacrifice his son. Absolutely, which is you know astounding. Abraham, with zealousness, wakes up early, brings... Isaac, Abraham, Isaac brings the two servants to help. And then when they're on the way in verse seven, Yitzchak el Avram Aviv. Yitzchak, Isaac says to Abraham, his father, and he says, Avi, my father. 
Vayomer, and Avram answers, Hineni v'ni, I am here for you, my son. Vayomer, and Isaac says, I see the fire. I see the wood. Where is the animal? Where's the lamb? Now, if you think about the passages in the Torah, the Torah doesn't record small talk, meaning there are many conversations the Torah records, but it always skips the introductions. Like when Jacob told Joseph to go see his brothers, I'm sure the conversations start out that Jacob said, Joseph, and Joseph said, yes, dad. And he said, oh, go find your brothers. But the Torah always skips that first part. You know, dad, yes, like it's not a recording device. It doesn't capture every word. So yet, when you get to this verse, and I love this verse so much, because the Torah slows down and Isaac is looking around. He sees the knife, he sees the fire, he sees everything going on. And he turns to his dad, and that's what it says. And Yitzhak says to Abraham, his father, and he says, Avi. My father, Vayomer, and Abram answers, Yes, my son. Why does the Torah slow down to record this little bit of the conversation? And I think the reason is that this is an ancillary to the story. This is the story. Because we learned before, when God called to Abraham, Abraham said, I'm here for you. Whatever you want, God, you tell me I'm here for you. But what the Torah teaches us is that that same feeling of I'm here for you, is that Abraham had for Isaac also. His son turns to him, and Abraham says, I am here for you. The same word he said to God. What do you take from that? What's the significance of the fact that Abraham says the exact same, very significant words to his son as he had said to God? So what I see in this is that the story of the Akedah, the binding of Isaac, is a story of the two Hinanis in Abraham's life intention. Abraham had two primal identities. He was Abraham Ivri, he was Abraham, the servant of God, and he was Abraham Avi, Abraham, the father. His whole life, he dreamed of having Isaac. He would do anything to have Isaac. When he had Isaac, he loved Isaac. He doted on Isaac. Isaac was his precious son. Anything he would do for Isaac. And the story of the Akedah is when these two essential identities in Abraham's life, the Abraham Ivri and Abraham Avi, the father and the servant, were in this inexorable tension. Because he actually can't be Hineni for both of them. Exactly. But he is. But he says he is. And yet he has to choose. So what does he choose? That is the tension. The story, you don't, you don't see this because the Torah doesn't open up about people's inner life often. And the biblical passage speaks about actions. So you have to sort of uncover what's happening internally by analyzing the passage. Now, sometimes for us, the Midrash, the rabbinic uh, stories and, and teachings reveal what is otherwise uncovered by the explicit passages. So here, for example, there's a Midrash that says that when Abraham was going towards the binding of Isaac, he met an old man along the way. And the old man said to him, Abraham, where, what are you doing? And he said, I'm going to sacrifice Isaac. And the old man said, Abraham, are you crazy? Can you do that? Because God said so. But Abraham, he's your son. He's your only son. He's the son you love. How can you do that? And Abraham says, and the question is, what is this Medrash teaching us? Who is this old man? Nechama Malibowitz, one of our great teachers of Torah in the modern era, once explained that the old man is none other than Abraham himself. And that the Midrash is revealing 
the two sides of Abraham that were in tension at this moment. What a fascinating construction that you've just built. But in the text, how does Abraham resolve this tension between Hineni for God and Hineni for Isaac? So the tension is ultimately resolved by God himself. So he doesn't resolve it. Abraham does not resolve it. Abraham decides. When Abraham decides to do the Akedah, what he's deciding is not just to sacrifice his son. He's sacrificing a part of himself. So he does decide. He decides to sacrifice his son and to sacrifice part of himself to go with the God Hineni. That's just the middle of the story. But the end of the story, and this is what's so, so powerful. And when you use the word, I love the word you use, which is resolution. It's a great word. The resolution of the story is when Abraham picks up the knife to kill his son and to kill a part of himself, the angel of God calls out, Abraham, 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 Abraham. And all the commentaries wonder, why does the angel call his name twice? Right, why? I think what the angel is teaching Abraham, what God is teaching Abraham, is that both Abrahams are precious. That Abraham the servant and Abraham the father, they're both precious to God. And you do not have to sacrifice one for the other. God does not want you to sacrifice. What a beautiful interpretation. Wow. And what does Abraham answer? So if you look at the verse later, it says, Malach says, Avram, Avram, Vayomer, and Avram says, Hineni. When does he say it a third time? In 2211. So what do you make of the third Hineni? That's the resolution, that both Abrahams are precious. That God will not ask you to choose between your son and him. He doesn't want you to choose. It's both of them are precious. And that's what's different about Judaism than the other traditions. And I, I mean this in, in a couple of ways. You know, certainly the era that Abraham was living in, a child sacrifice was ubiquitous. You know, it might have emerged even from Mesopotamia and from Ur, uh, you know, where he's from. So this itself was unusual. But even in the later religions, the difference between Judaism and Christianity in this sense is that in our tradition, the son does not die. The son is not to be killed. And you're so right about child sacrifice. It's striking, I believe, in Deuteronomy when it's this prohibition against sending your children to run through the fire. Leading one to ask, whenever there's a prohibition, one asks, why is that being prohibited? Were people actually doing that? And the answer is, it must have been happening all the time to warrant it being included in the Bible as a prohibition. And here we come in the Akedah in early Genesis. That was in late Deuteronomy. Here in early Genesis, we're forbidding that practice. Basically. And that's the ultimate resolution of the story. But is it a resolution? Because the Kutzker Rebbe, said the most difficult part of this story for Abraham was walking down the mountain because he walks alone. He does not walk with Isaac. They walk separately. And indeed, Abraham and Isaac never have another conversation. And the next thing we learn about Sarah is that she's dead. So does it get resolved? When you think about generations, like in Hollywood, the story has a movie and a climax and, and the story ends and it sort of fade away. In life, it continues. So what was Isaac's takeaway? from experiencing the Akedah. That was something. That was an experience that forged uh, much of his uh, personality. Look, part of Isaac's personality, there's no doubt, was he felt the passion of Abraham and he committed himself to living Abraham's life. He dug the same wells, literally, later in Genesis. Dug the same wells, stayed in the same places, like he literally was a continuation of Abraham's life, which was very important, certainly in the time of Genesis, because if he didn't redig those wells, Abraham's memory would have been lost, you know, by the generations. Rabbi Salavechik, our great teacher of sainted memory, once explained that 
the generation by Abraham, they were waiting for him to die. Because when he died, they were going to stop up his wells. Like they wanted him to be a one-time phenomenon. Who's they? The surrounding neighbors. So they were thinking, this guy who started this new religion, it was very interesting, and now he's dead, so it's over. It's over. Why did they go to his wells and stop up the wells? Meaning the wells are water. Why would they want the water? They try to wipe out his memory. And what Isaac did is he redug all those wells and called them by the very same name because Isaac was perpetuating the legacy of his father. That was his life. His life was committed to perpetuating the legacy of his father. And there's no question that part of his personality was seared, you know, from the experience of being on the Akeda. Isaac, unlike his father and his son, is a very passive man. So I think I have a different view of Isaac, actually. It's funny you say that. I think that Ezu Gibor Ekobish is Yetro. You know, who's the, the warrior, the rabbi, say? As somebody who conquers his or her instincts, his inner passion, self-control. Like normally we think of a warrior as somebody who is, um, you know, con- controls other people. And the rabbis say just the opposite, as somebody who controls himself. And Isaac is, I think, attached to this midah of gura, of, of strength. There's no greater strength than to work to perpetuate the legacy of the past. Meaning people have a natural instinct to break out and do something different. Be their own selves, focus on the individual. Isaac worked on perpetuating his father's legacy. Well, his mission was transmission. He definitely had a mission that he served. In that sense, it would be active. But what's Isaac thinking coming down the mountain? So the Akeda happens. Isaac's coming down the mountain separately from Abraham. They go up together. They come down separately. Massively important fact. What's going through Isaac's head? Isaac, who interestingly, may have been the prince of transmission, but never has another conversation with his father, is effectively orphaned. We don't hear about it. You're right. There's no recording device in the Bible, but a conversation about the Akedah between Abraham and Isaac would have been significant enough, I believe, to warrant inclusion. (laughs) I don't know. It's a great question. What was the postmortem of that one? (laughs) Right. But the Torah speaks so beautifully in its silences, too. Yeah. Look, I think ultimately the lesson of the Akedah and really the lesson of the word Hineni is about being present in the lives of, the, of what we're devoted to. You know, the fact that, that Abraham says he named me to God, and that he says he named me to his family, to his son, and that God sanctifies both he names. The fact that, that we need to be, not just I'm here, but I'm here for you, for the people and the, the mission, to what and to who we're devoted to in our lives, you know, is essential. It's essential to this time period, especially in the time of Corona, of coronavirus, and uh, certainly essential as we think about as we think about the new year. Right. So I was going to ask, so we're going into the new year. If someone listening to your truly magnificent teaching, someone listens and they said, what does Hineni mean for me, Rabbi, in the coming year? What do you answer? I would pose that question to them. That Mark, you said it so beautifully. What does Hineni mean for you? The Hineni is there, you know, and I think that one of the aspects of coronavirus is that it's really put people in direct confrontation with their own mortality, with their own limitations, with the fragility of life. And it's forced us to think about a lot. And we're not here for a long time. And we're not in control of when that time comes. We're not in full control. And we need to capitalize and take advantage of every moment is precious. So every moment can be a Hineni moment. Yeah. And what are we about? That's a great way of saying it. What are we about? What are our lives dedicated to? You know, we spend so much of our time living by rote, living by decisions that we made years and decades ago, 
you know, and Rosh Hashanah, that's really what one of the messages of the shofar, no doubt. And Maimonides says, when he says, we don't know what the shofar, the, the sounds that we blow, that we hear in Rosh Hashanah. There's no message. The Torah doesn't tell us what the message is, but there is a secret to it, Maimonides says. The secret is, wake up, you sleepers, from your slumber. And the shofar is an alarm clock. It wakes us up because we go through life, oftentimes sleepwalking through life. So it wakes us up to the alarm clock, so to speak, of Hineni. So if you could take one message into the new year, it's the shofar blows. All right, I'm up. What's the message? The message is Hineni. To whom? Whatever you do, be Hineni. If you can't be Hineni when you're doing it, don't do it. Right. Now, the Akedah gives us two directions, which I really like. The first is to God. He's in control. You know, we say Rosh Hashanah is the day of judgment, which scares people. But the good thing is we're being judged by our Father in heaven who loves us and cares for us and, and wants the best for us. And it's God that is, I mean, we try and we have to be active and we have to work. You know, we can't just let things go. We have to be involved. Ultimately, you know, we, we recognize that, you know, it's Yata it's, it's by the will of God. And one Hineni is to God. And another Hineni is to our family and to the people we love and the people who are around us. You know, and that also has come out in the past months. I mean, the, the amount of time, the preciousness of the time that we have with the people we love. I mean, one of the hardest parts of coronavirus I found is being separated from the people we love. You know, it's like this, this, the most peculiar of diseases where if there's an older person, if you have a parent, a grandparent, you want to naturally be next to and with and during these difficult times that we're told that we have to be separated from them, that it's not healthy. It's, it's not safe. It's so against our instinct. It's so painful. The separation's been so painful. And I think that one of the things, one of the humanities that we dedicate ourselves is to everyone, everyone we love, everyone who we're around, all of our, our family, our friends, our neighbors, our community. We must give ourselves with kindness and compassion, be present in their lives in all ways that we can. You know, in, in this world, it could be by Zoom at times. And would a third Hineni be, getting back to our discussion about Isaac and his mission of transmission, a third Hineni could be to our mission. What did God put you on this earth to do? God gave us a purpose. It can't be that hard to figure out because God wouldn't give you a purpose that make it impossible to figure out. That would be illogical. And God is very logical. So we can figure out our purpose and then, like Isaac, be Hineni for that. I love that. Look, everyone has a different purpose. Everyone has a different mission. Everyone is, uh, has different skills and talents. In our very limited time, we have enormous opportunity, enormous opportunity. And to be able to devote our skills and talents and abilities towards our mission and be present in it and active in it, that's the wake-up call. I love it. The third Hineni. I love that, Mark. I'm going to add that into my repertoire. Thank you. I'm honored. Thank you. Well, Ari, thank you for such an extraordinary episode in teaching on this most important of passages, generally and particularly for Rosh Hashanah. And the concluding question always goes from the sacred text of the Bible to another text, which is Andre Malroux's 1968 book, Anti-Memoir. And uh, he says in the book, I just ran into this man with whom I served in the war. And he said, this man had saved a lot of Jews and then had become a parish priest. So I said to the priest, in all of your years of hearing confessions, what are two things you've learned about mankind? And the priest said, one, everyone is much less happy than he seems. And two, there is no such thing as a grown-up person. So in all of your years of being both a rabbi, a scholar, and a Jewish leader, what are two things that you've learned about mankind? Wow, that's a pretty big question, Mark. 
I would say one of the lessons, just to jump off the last thing that you said, we're at our best when we are seekers, that we should never stop seeking. We should never feel that we're grown up in that sense. We should feel grown up in terms of we have responsibility, we have accountability, you know, in ways that obviously children don't. But the area is the way that we, we should still be young at heart, is that we should never stop growing and never stop seeking. You know, the, the Abraham was told in the very beginning, you should go. And that sense of going, of seeking, I think has characterized the Jewish people throughout our history and should characterize humanity and the, and the search and the pursuit and the constant growth. We have a phrase in the, the rabbinic tradition of Talmud, Talmud Chacham, which means uh, somebody who's a sage. But it's a very interesting phrase because Talmud, Chacham, Talmud means student, and Chacham means sage. And I think what the rabbis are telling us is that if you want to be a sage, you have to remain a Talmud. You always have to remain a student. You have to grow, you know, and you're, listen, just to come around full circle, this podcast, it's infused with the spirit of you as a seeker and with all of your listeners, you know, who are, are seeking the wisdom of our 3,000-year-old tradition, which is the greatest gift that God has given humanity. It's incredible. It's right here. And you are enabling uh, people to find what they seek. Thank you. Ari, thank you for such a fascinating discussion and for uh, such a, a way to lead us all into the new year where, uh, I mean, I'm going to be thinking when I hear the show for uh, Hineni. You really got the essence of the holiday and thank you for giving it to the rabbi's husband. Thank you so much. <laughs> Have a great day, Mark. Thanks. You too.